0: Today we'll continue in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, We'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. While we we read, remember from chapter 1, verse 9, that the word of how the Thessalonians had received the gospel is spreading throughout. Paul is saying that it is sounding forth from them. Okay, then note that Paul is reminding them how it was that they received the gospel. It was because of what kind of men he he and his co-workers proved to be among them. Okay, so first Thessalonians chapter two verses one through twelve is a beautiful reminder that the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life. So let's read the very word of God from First Thessalonians two, verses one through twelve. It says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you we recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's pray before we dive into that. Father, we come before you today, Lord, just seeking your will through your word, God. Lord, our, our hearts and our minds can become numbed and hardened towards, Lord, the beautiful truths in your scripture because of our weeks, because of what we're reading in the news and what we're watching, God. And I just pray that you would you would allow us to, Lord, be changed by your word. God, you would. You would help us to see clearly how awesome you are, God, and that we would love you more, Lord, when we leave here than when we came. God, I pray that we would come humbly to your word. We're looking for it um, to change us, for us to obey it, God. So I just pray that you would do a mighty work today by your spirit, God, and you would help me to speak truthfully and rightly about your word. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So how do we view someone's message who lives contradictory to that message? The late Ravi Zacharias was a world-renowned Christian teacher. He was gifted as an apologist. An apologist is someone who defends their positions against counter-arguments. So Ravi wrote books and spoke all around the world to defend Christianity against atheism and every religion. His ministry's motto was helping the thinker believe, helping the believer think. He was loved by those who were comforted in the midst of doubt and unbelief with his work. He was actually, when I was saved by Christ, he was the first one I started reading. I loved his books. He was a great defender of the message of the gospel. However, in 2017, four years before his death, he was accused of sexual misconduct by a woman. He would deny the accusation and later settle outside of court with that woman while, he, while simply stating he just made an error in engaging in conversation with a woman that was not his wife. But he denied ever having participated in, in any inappropriate behavior of any kind. And Ravi would eventually die of cancer in May of 2020. But after Ravi's death, more allegations came to to light. And so his ministry then conducted an investigation. And in February of 2021, they released a 12-page report that outlined his transgressions. It was found that he had participated in explicit misconduct. The report outlined the terrible transgressions and that they were all found to be true. So Ravi went to his death without ever being held accountable for his actions nor repenting and apologizing for them. This messenger of the gospel was found to live contradictory to the message. People then began to ask, do we disregard everything we learned from him? Do we still read his books? Was the faith he defended real because of how he lived? It threw into question everything. Due to Ravi's gross actions overnight, everything he spent his life on was seemingly invalidated because how he lived his life was in contradiction to the message he proclaimed, he defended. So when when a messenger's life contradicts his message, we disregard that message as invalid, it's untrue. So church, we have the same tendencies to live as Rabbi Zacharias. We may think we'll never go so far as to do what he did, but it's often easy for us to go about our Christian duties and perform them, all the while doing it with impure motives and without any love. We often get caught up in doing everything we think we're supposed to be doing. All the while we have sin festering in our heart and we let it grow and grow till it becomes this gross sin that destroys, as was the case with Ravi. When this happens, our ministry will be in vain as Ravi's turned out to be. God will not approve of our ministry for it is God that examines our hearts and we will have work for nothing. So in our passage from First Thessalonians 2, Paul is reminding the church of, of why his coming to them was not in vain and calling them to further imitate him as they have already begun to do. Paul develops why his coming was not in vain and is reminding them of the example to imitate him because of how he and his co-workers conducted themselves among the people in Thessalonica. Paul uses the phrase, you know, or you remember, or you are witnesses, something along those lines, six times in this passage. This is Paul's emphasis to bring to their minds how he brought the gospel to them. Because Paul knew that the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life. That is why in chapter 1, when when Paul is encouraging the church in their salvation, in verse 5, he says the gospel did not come in word only. It wasn't just the message. He lists how it came, and one of the proofs, he says, was the kind of men they proved to be among among them. That was one of the proofs. Their salvation by the message of the gospel was validated by what kind of men Paul and his co-workers proved to be among them. They walk the walk and talk the talk. So in our passage today, Paul is reminding the church of this principle that the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life and is calling the church to imitate him as they had previously done. In chapter one, verse nine, Paul says there's there is that report about what kind of reception they had. And that is the train of thought that leads him into this section today. So why did Paul and his co-workers have the kind of reception that they did among the people of Thessalonica? Therefore, the main idea from this passage for the sermon will be, because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life, let us walk in a manner worthy of God's kingdom. So because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life, let us walk in a manner worthy of God's kingdom. Through this passage, we'll see how Fillmore Christian Church's ministry in this community will not be in vain as we walk in a manner worthy of God's kingdom. So how do we walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom? We learn this by following Paul's example. Therefore, the two key points today for how we are to walk in this manner worthy of the kingdom is is to walk with pure hearts and to walk modeling true love so first we follow that because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life let us walk with pure hearts so the church in thessalonica may have been thinking why was paul's coming not in vain does how can we imitate him when we bring the gospel to others how can we have this same reception among others that they had with us because they want to bring this gospel to others So Paul is going to remind them that they know how he came and give them this example to follow. The example to follow is to walk with pure hearts. So how did Paul and his coworkers walk with pure hearts? They did not have impure motives. So look with me at verses two through six again. Two through six to see how they did not have impure motives. Paul says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext of greed. God is witness. Nor did we see glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have assort- asserted our authority. So how does Paul first prove he did not have impure motives. He reminds them that this boldness to bring the gospel came in the midst of fierce opposition. If they had impure motives, the first sign of opposition would have turned them away, right? Why did they keep going if the message was just a a means to their own selfish end? Why continue on if they had impure motives to bring this specific message that was the reason for the opposition, right? The reason they they were being persecuted and they were suffering was because of this message that Jesus was the son of God who had died and was resurrected. So if this, if they had these impure motives that this gospel wasn't true, at the sign of opposition, just denounce the message and go do something else. But that's not what they did. They continued on. Okay, this opposition proves Paul's point that he did not have impure motives. Further, in, in Paul's day, wandering philosophers had developed a stigma for what it looks like to come with impure motives. There's, there is this man who he wrote, this letter outlining what these false philosophers looked like, and everyone, everyone knew of this, of this letter. So Paul, in verses 3 through 6, points to what were themes in a false philosopher's message. These false philosophers' message was described as vain. It resulted in nothing. It, it, was, no, it was no good. And Paul is saying that's not what happened here. Paul is showing in these verses that he did not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. Okay, that is not how they received this message of the gospel. He came with truth, with a pureness of heart, so as not to deceive them. So, and then in verse four, Paul reminds the church that he was not attempting to please man. Paul had been entrusted with the gospel by God. Okay, it it was not so that he could go and please men, but so he could please God, because God is the one that had given him this gospel. It would have been an impure motive if he was trying to please men. That was the goal of false philosophers of that day to please men so as to right, earn, an, uh, earn a living. Okay, so there in verse five, he says they never came with flattering speech nor with this pretext to greed. He wasn't a smooth talking con man trying to butter them up for money. Okay, that's not what he was doing. It would have been easy for him to have said what they wanted to hear so as to get money from them. Okay, that would have been a lot easier than physical labor, but that's, that's not what Paul did. Okay, as verse seven says, Paul wasn't even trying to receive any glory. He didn't didn't want them to look at him and pump him up. That's not what he was there for. Paul was proving that he walked with a pure heart by attesting to the fact that he did not have impure motives. So how else did he walk with a pure heart? He walked with God's approval. Paul points to God's approval of his ministry as proof that he walked with a pure heart. Okay, look with me at verses one through two and then also verse four. He says, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. But after we had suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to, to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. And then in verse four, he says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. To prove he had God's approval, Paul in verse two points to the supernatural boldness that they had received from God to bring the gospel amid opposition. If they did not have pure hearts and bring the message, how would they receive God's approval? And if they did not have God's approval, why would God give them this supernatural boldness in the face of opposition? Hey, this boldness came from God, and it shows that they had God's approval that he points to in verse 4. For God is the one who examines hearts. The Thessalonians know that Paul came to them with a pure heart, for he had God's approval. In verse 4, Paul says that they speak as those who have been approved by God to bring the gospel. They are not seeking to be approved by men. But rather, God who examines their hearts. Okay, God is God, therefore, He is what we call omniscient. He, he has all of knowledge, He knows everything. He knows perfectly and completely the hearts of every single person, including Paul and his co workers. And because God perfectly knew Paul and his co workers, God approved of their gospel ministry. This is another proof for Paul, that Paul is giving to these Thessalonians that He did not come with impure motives, and that He instead came with God's approval. In verse 5, Paul punctuates his reminder of them coming with pure hearts by saying God is witness. God can attest to it. Only God has perfect knowledge to know if someone has pure motives and how they walk. So by declaring God as his witness, Paul is putting himself under God's judgment to assure the Thessalonians that he was not lying. Paul walked among the church with a pure heart and thus his message was validated. So therefore, because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life, let us walk with pure hearts. And to walk with pure hearts, we can imitate the example of Paul and the Thessalonians. And through this, God will prove us to be entrusted to bring the gospel to our community. So in, in 1948, Billy Graham began a series of evangelistic meetings in Modesto, California, along with his ministry team of three other guys. And as the him and these three other guys were having conversations about ministry life and its challenges, the group decided to meet together in Modesto and resolved to uphold the highest standard of biblical integrity and morality. So one afternoon during these Modesto meetings, Billy called the team together to discuss the problem. And then he asked each of them to go to their rooms for an hour and list all the problems they could think of that evangelists and evangelism incurred. So after an hour, they they came back together and their lists were, were really similar. So in a short amount of time, they made a series of, of commitments that they were going to themselves to and that was going to guide them in their evangelistic work it was a shared commitment to do all they could to uphold the bible' standard of absolute integrity and purity as they brought the message of the gospel so the first point on the combined list was money that was the first thing they brought up nearly all evangelists at that time including them were supported by offerings taken at the meetings so the temptation to get as much money as possible from people was was always right there okay to to speak with this flattering speech so they draw more money out of people. So in Modesto, they determined to do all they could to avoid financial abuses and to downplay the offering and instead depend on the money raised before they came instead of the money they raised during the meeting. The second item on the list was the danger of sexual immorality that we've already talked about. They all knew of evangelists who had fallen into immorality while separated from their families by travel. So they they pledged to themselves that they would avoid any situation that would even have the appearance of compromise or suspicion. They did not want their exhortation to come from impurity, as Paul said. So from that day on, Billy Graham did not even travel, meet, or eat alone with a woman other than his wife. Their third concern was the tendency of many evangelists to carry on their work apart from the local church, even to criticize local pastors and churches openly and scathingly. They were convinced, however, that this was not only counterproductive, but also wrong, according to the Bible. So they did not want their exhortation to come from error, for God would examine their heart. So the fourth and final issue was publicity. The tendency among evangelists at that time was to exaggerate their successes, to claim that all these numbers were coming in, and to lie about it. Okay, they did not want to please men, and, and they did not want to seek their own glory while they were evangelizing, even though as they got these large crowds, they could have received that glory through publicity. So in Modesto, they committed themselves to integrity and in their publicity and reporting. So for Billy Graham and his partners, they, what, that was called their Modesto Manifesto. Okay, it was their determination that integrity would be the hallmark of both their lives and ministry. They knew that the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life. So they committed themselves to walk in purity of heart. And because of this, God used Billy and his partners in awesome ways. Okay, they did not bring the message of the gospel in vain during their day. And they were able to walk in purity of heart because of their relationship with Christ. It was Christ who set them free from the sin that they did not want to be involved in. And it was Christ that gave them the grace to rescue them out of the temptations that were so prevalent in their ministry so that they would be marked by pure motives. So church, if we're going to bring the message of the gospel of Jesus to the community here in Fillmore and Andrew County and even further, we must walk with pure hearts as we bring that message. We must decide as Billy Graham did and as Paul gave us the example of to walk according to how scripture calls us to walk so that our lives do not invalidate the message, but rather validate it. Therefore, we need to examine our hearts and ask, why are we sharing the gospel? But maybe more accurately, why are we not sharing the gospel? What are are the motives in our heart? Are they pure motives? Because I don't know that any of us are necessarily sharing the gospel so as to flatter people and with the pretext of greed. I don't know if we're seeking to teach lies so as as to deceive people. Okay, that would likely come from people who would benefit from their ministry. So I don't think that's necessarily us. We're in a different situation. So if you're like me, you're probably more likely to not share the gospel than to share it. Therefore, we need to examine our hearts so that we can walk with pure motives, that we can walk with this pureness of heart to bring the gospel to people. So what from this passage keeps us from sharing the message of the gospel? What keeps us from walking with a pure heart? A big reason may be that we could possibly face opposition. Okay, that, that Peter, or I mean, Paul talked about here in verse two. Okay, it may not be physical violence like Paul suffered, but we could be ridiculed or lose prestige in the community. Therefore, we don't speak the message of the gospel. In this situation, what we need is boldness in our God, as Paul said in verse two, to speak in the midst of this opposition, to speak with, in this temptation to not speak. We have to pray that, that God would approve us and give this supernatural boldness to proclaim the message from a pure heart. But where did this boldness come from for Paul? It came from seeking God's approval, not man's. So in the face of opposition, he knew I'm seeking God's approval, not man's. Therefore, God would increase his boldness to go. That leads to us to another impurity in our hearts that could keep us from sharing the gospel. Maybe it's that we desire to please men as Paul mentions in verse four and six. We don't share the message of the gospel because we desire people's approval more than God's approval. We don't want people to think we're a radical religious person, so we don't talk about religion at the dinner table, right? We want to please men instead of the one true living God who has redeemed us from death and given us abundant life in his son. Paul in in Galatians chapter one says, he says this, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is saying, if, if we're trying to seek to please people instead of Christ, we're not a servant of Jesus. So if so, if, the, if that is true of us, which I know it's so often true of me, then we need to draw near to the grace of Jesus. We need to ask him to cleanse us from these impure motives of, not, of wanting to please people instead of God. Okay, we must put away this impure motive so that we may walk with pure hearts and validate the message of the gospel that we believe in. So this morning we can follow David's prayer in Psalm 139 and pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Allow the Lord to examine your heart and show you the impure motives you may have for not sharing the gospel or for sharing the gospel. Okay, if we want to see our family, our neighbors and our friends come to faith in Christ so as to receive salvation and know and enjoy God, then we must walk with pure hearts as we bring the message of the gospel to them. We must do this because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life. So what does it look like to walk with a pure heart? That leads us to point two. Though because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life, let us walk modeling true love. Let us walk modeling true love. So to walk with a pure heart, it is to walk modeling true love. This is the example of Paul that the church is to follow and how to validate the message of the gospel, how to have a great reception among people. This is his reminder of why, as chapter 1, verse 9, says that Paul had that great reception among them. They can know he walked with a pure heart, approved by God, because of how he modeled that true love. So look with me on verses 7 through 9 to see how Paul modeled true love to this church in Thessalonica when they were still unbelievers. So verses 7 through 9. He says, "But we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship. How working nine days so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel. When Paul came to them to bring them the gospel of salvation." He didn't begin by standing on a street corner and telling them they're going to burn in hell. Okay, no, he he proved his love first. He proved his earnest desire for their salvation. He genuinely loved these people and wanted to see them know Christ for their salvation. He modeled true love for them by, as Paul says, being gentle among them, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Think about that picture. Okay, that this beautiful picture that Paul gives of a of a mother who devotes herself to the well-being of her child gently loving and providing for the child. This is Paul reminding the church how you come to people with the gospel. You have true love for them as a mother does. Okay, for as Paul says in verse eight, they had a fond affection for these people. Okay, they loved them so dearly that Paul says they gave them not only the message of the gospel, but also their lives. Okay, it was not just the message, but the messenger, not just doctrine, but also the heart. He gave himself to these people day by day, walking with them in everyday life. In verse nine, we see that he even labored amidst hardship so as not to be a burden on them financially as he worked night and day and proclaimed the gospel to them. Okay, Paul validated the message of the gospel by walking in true love for these people. Paul went beyond what the norm of a messenger was to do. His job was to bring the message. He could do that without all the extra hard work of actually loving these people and living among them. But that is not the heart of the gospel. The gospel is not simply a message to be shared so that people would agree with it. No, the gospel is a message to be lived because it is the message of a God so loving the world that he would send his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, that's the message of the gospel. This message of God giving his only begotten son is then worked in us as we believe and are born again by the spirit. We then live according to that message. So Paul is imparting his life to these people just as Jesus imparted his life for us. Okay, Paul is loving these people just as our God loves us. Paul is living the message of the gospel because it is true. Okay, this example of Paul gave the church the model to follow on how to truly love people as they share the message of the gospel with others. But then in verses 10 through 12, we see how Paul continued to model true love to them as believers. So look with me again at verses 10 through 12 to see how Paul modeled true love to believers, to the the church. He says, You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring, each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So in verses 10 through 12, we see how Paul modeled true love to the church as they came to believe in the message and to become the church. Paul reminds them again and says, you are witnesses. Okay, you are witnesses and so does God. They, they know how Paul and his co-workers behave towards them as believers, he says. They model true love by living devoutly, uprightly and blamelessly among them. Okay, true love is only found in righteous living. Okay, how can you have true love in unrighteousness? If Paul was deceiving them or conning them for money, he would not have modeled true love to them. That is not true love. Would that kind of love have validated the message? Of course not. True love that validates the message of the gospel is displayed in righteous living among one another in the church. Paul then continues to another family metaphor for how he modeled true love to them as believers and states that they have loved them as a father would his own children. Okay, how did they do this? How did they love them as a father would his own children? By how they spoke to them. Paul spoke to them as a a loving father speaks to his own children. Okay, a father lovingly builds up and encourages their child by, by pushing them to pursue the right path. Paul says he did it in this way by exhorting them, encouraging them, and imploring them to walk in a manner worthy of the God who has called them into his kingdom. Paul is modeling true love to these believers by acting as a loving father to lead them into living a life that is worthy of God's kingdom. This is why Paul is reminding them of all this. He is saying, remember how we lived among you. Imitate us, for then you will walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Paul's reminder to the church is that because the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life, let us walk modeling true love. When we walk modeling true love, we are walking like Jesus in a manner worthy of the gospel, and God will prove us to bring his gospel. So when Emily and I started dating back in... um, 2021. She was working at a church in St. Joe where she led a young adults ministry. It was an awesome community of about 20 young adults at that time that were gathering each week to study the word and then outside of that just living life together. So as we got married, Emily and the church brought me along to help lead that ministry with her in. And during this time, the ministry continued to grow in their love for Jesus and one another and God began to bless it incredibly. You see, as these young adults in St. Joe learned more and more about Jesus and began to follow him more wholeheartedly, it was displayed in how they walked. Okay, they walked modeling true love. They were caring for each other and they had true, fond affection for one another. You would see people after church praying, like from our young adults ministry, praying over one another as one was crying over difficult situations in their life. Okay, they were imparting their lives to one another and, and sharing the gospel through that. We could walk into a restaurant or coffee shop in St. Joe and see one of the people from our ministry meeting up with someone else and just living life with them and sharing the gospel through that. And then every Monday night after our gathering for our ministry, most of the people go to Applebee's and we'd spend like another two hours together. Um, Sometimes we'd have 20 to 30 people show up. Um, Applebee's was not always happy with us, (laughs) but we'd eat half-price appetizers and just enjoy one another. It was awesome. Because of this deep relationship with Christ, these young adults who were supposed to be known for living wild and reckless were instead living devoutly, uprightly, and blamelessly toward one another. For the most part, right? We were—we still had a lot of baby Christians, but for the most part, we were doing our best to live in this way. Okay, it was also awesome that those in the ministry just wanted to talk about Jesus, right? We just wanted to talk about scripture and what God was doing. And and so as Paul was saying, you know, we were always exhorting and encouraging it. And, imploring one another to walk in a manner worthy of God's kingdom. Okay, this young adult ministry that we were blessed to be a part of was truly beautiful. And it, it really reminded me of what Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians 2. As I was studying it, this, those people are what came to mind in that ministry. And because of this, God approved of that ministry's witness to the gospel. It was incredible. We were seeing two to three young adults baptized every month for a year because of everyone in that ministry validating the message of the gospel with their lives and following Paul's example here to walk modeling true love. And it's still going on today, okay? God is still using that ministry in beautiful ways to save lives by his son. So friends, God blessed that ministry because messengers were modeling true love towards one another and towards those who were lost. So church, as we seek to live out Jesus's command to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded, here in Fillmore, Andrew County, and beyond, then we must do it in a manner that will not be in vain. For us to bring the message of the gospel of God's approval to our ministry, we must walk modeling true love towards unbelievers and towards one another. As we model true love, it will validate the message of the gospel that we bring, and we will see God work in wonderful ways, just as he did among the Thessalonians here in chapter two. So let us walk modeling true love towards unbelievers by imitating Paul. To imitate Paul, we have to, actually love and care for unbelievers, desiring their salvation because of that love. Okay, we're not to desire their salvation just because we find it distasteful how they live or because we want to have a spiritual trophy before God. Okay, we must love them as Paul did and model this true love by how we live with them. So today we can ask ourselves, have I given my life to an unbeliever along with the gospel message? Do we bring unbelievers into our daily life because we love them and we want to share this this gospel of Jesus with them. Okay, this is hard, right? We're we're busy, we've got things going on, but we have to ask, what are our priorities? Paul still had to work to live here, as we see in this passage. Paul was busy, but this didn't keep Paul from giving his life to unbelievers in love. Instead, he just worked harder. He made himself busier. So are we willing to sacrifice so as to impart our lives to unbelievers? So today, we can think of someone who does not who does not love Jesus, who has not received salvation in his name and and decide not only to impart the gospel message to them, but also our own lives. Further, if we're to follow Paul's example, we must walk modeling true love towards one another in the church, in the church. So we can ask ourselves another set of questions. Do Do we love each other in a righteous manner? Paul says that this is by behaving devoutly, uprightly and blamelessly towards one another. Okay, Emily and I just in these two weeks here, we've got to see, you guys love each other and it's been encouraging. So I want to encourage you to continue to love each other in, in a righteous manner, okay? Because the true test of loving each other in a righteous manner, it comes when you disagree on issues. It comes when there's difficult times. Then you'll see the, the strength of your true love. The, you'll see if it is truly a love in, a, in righteousness. So when those difficult times come, love each other righteously and so continue to validate the message of the gospel. So to conclude this morning, think back to the story about Ravi Zacharias and the damage he did to the glory of God and the message of the gospel of Jesus. Ravi did not walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom that that Paul is calling us to here, far from it in fact. Ravi had impure motives. He was speaking and teaching in impurity and by deceit. He, He flattered people with his lives and got away with horrible conduct. Okay, he did not model true love for he did not love righteously. He imparted a message, but he did not impart his life. He, he lived a secret life that no one knew about. Okay, this was not walking with a pure heart or walking, modeling true love. And because of this, many have decided that the message he defended, the message of the gospel is untrue. It's invalidated. It's, it's untrue because his life was in direct contradiction to the message of salvation that we have in scripture. So friends, as this church brings the message of the gospel to this community, our lives must also validate the message. So this morning we have to ask ourselves does our life validate the message of the gospel i know it's hard i know we're weak but as those who have been saved by the gospel we have the holy spirit god himself living in us to change us and lead us on the path of righteousness god has said in scripture that his grace is sufficient for you for his power is made perfect in weakness his power is made perfect in weakness so today We can examine ourselves and ask, is my life hindering the message of the gospel or helping the message of the gospel? Okay, God does not need your help to bring the message of the gospel, yet he is pleased to work in such a way. So church, let us leave here with the conviction from this passage of scripture that the message of the gospel is validated by the messenger's life. Therefore, we are to walk in a manner worthy of God's kingdom. And to walk in this manner worthy of God's kingdom, we must walk with pure hearts and walk modeling true love. So would you go to the Lord in prayer with me to ask him, for his grace to live in such a way. And just like I did last time I was here, I like to have us pray on our own and just respond to God's word, and then I'll close us and then Wake will come up. So let's let's respond to God's word here in First Thessalonians. Father, we come to you today, Lord, and this is a hard message, Lord, it, to look at it and realize that our lives must validate this incredible and glorious message of salvation of your son. God, that is hard. But God, I pray that we would be strengthened knowing that, that Lord, your grace is sufficient for us, that your power is made perfect. God, that the, you did not leave us alone, but that you have given us your spirit to, to lead us in the path of righteousness. I pray, Lord, that as we talked about earlier, we could could just humbly admit, Lord, we can't do it. We can't do it without you. And so God, I pray that we would humbly seek your grace to live in this manner, Lord. I pray that we would humbly seek your grace to live in a manner that validates, Lord, the message of this gospel. And I pray that you would use us, use this church, Lord, in incredible ways as we live a life that is beautiful to you, Lord, that, that we would impart not only the gospel, but our lives to people around us. Lord, that we would be willing to speak the message of the gospel, Lord, that we would not shy away from telling people about this salvation that we have received in Jesus. God, I pray that we would humbly strive to live how you have called us to live here in First Thessalonians 2. I, I pray that we would not leave here this morning the same, God, but we would leave here loving you and this gospel more and that it would lead us to desire to follow you and to share this gospel, Lord. I pray that you would do wonderful things through this church like you have already done. God, that you would continue in that. And In Jesus' name I pray, amen.